Hey everybody, welcome to the season two premiere of CreateCast, the show about people who make good. I'm your host, Chase K. As I mentioned in our recent teaser, this season is going to be incredible. Tons of awesome guests from all sorts of backgrounds. We have musicians and actors and chefs and authors and screenwriters and it's crazy. I mean, seriously, just lots of really, really cool people. As always, you can find out more about us and the show and our guests at createcastpod.com. And you can also subscribe to us on iTunes to make sure that you don't miss a single episode. All you have to do is go into the iTunes store and search CreateCast. Really easy. While you're there, please take a moment, rate us, leave us a comment, tell us how we're doing, or you can just shoot us an email at createcastpod.com or even sign up for our email newsletter. We have lots of incredible guests this season, and I'm really, really excited for everybody to hear them. If you're new to the show, hey, that's totally cool, but you are missing out. We have a full season of CreateCast episodes that you can check out right now. They're either on our website or on iTunes or however you get your podcast, RSS feed, whatever. It's all good. Super excited for you guys to hear this first episode. Um, As I've mentioned in the past, I have some family down in the uh, Florida Panhandle, so I head down there every year. Uh, This one was recorded in Seaside, Florida, which is a wonderful little town, uh, lots of cool restaurants, great seafood from the Gulf of Mexico, and uh, it turned out that while I was there, an awesome, awesome person happened to be in town, Scott Withrow of Olive and Sinclair Chocolate. Now, if you haven't heard of Olive and Sinclair, what's wrong with you? For real, they're amazing, they've won tons of awards, they're known for their Southern Artisan Chocolate, which is something really unique. Uh, really sort of, uh, we get into it more in the interview, but talking about specifically what makes their chocolate Southern and uh, what that means to Scott as far as, uh, you know, making something down South. Uh, they're based out of Nashville, and uh, they have a factory down there that you can actually go tour, buy some chocolate. I think their chocolate is available basically all over the country. Uh, you might have to find like a specialty store where you are, but it's all over the country, award-winning stuff super good. Uh, As I mentioned in the teaser, this is the chocolate episode. This one is for Chase. Super fun talking to Scott, and I am so excited for you to hear this episode. Once again, this is CreateCast Season 2, the premiere episode. Make sure to visit us at createcastpod.com, and also check us out on iTunes, leave us a review, show us some love, send us an email, whatever. Stay tuned for more episodes this season. We're going to be back every Tuesday with a brand new guest. Super cool. I've Seriously, I've been recording interviews ever since I stopped the last season. We have so many cool people lined up. Really excited for you to hear them. But for now, we have Scott Withrow of Olive and Sinclair Chocolate in Nashville. Great guy. Great chocolate. Enjoy this episode, and I'll see you at the end. Hey everybody, we're here with Scott Withrow of Olive and Sinclair Chocolate. We're actually right now inside of the Modica Market in Seaside in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Uh, Scott, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. So, uh, talk to me a, a little bit about sort of your early cooking. Obviously, I know you started in restaurant kitchens, right? Yeah, I've been in restaurant kitchens since I was about 15. Really? Yeah. And uh, when, when, you know, so obviously, you know, moving from savory food to chocolate, it's sort of a, a jump. But at the same time, I've noticed with your chocolate, it's not just 
sweet. It's seasoned, which I think is something that comes from that sort of savory side. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, a lot of it, what we really try to do is, like, take from our, like, kitchen backgrounds and kind of approach chocolate the same way. So it's not just a, you know, adding A to B because that's what's done. It's, you know, kind of thoughtfully done. I mean, like, you know, we use pure cane brown sugar yeah. to make chocolate. And part of that's like an inherently southern uh, kind of knee-jerk reaction. But when you think about it from a food perspective, like the added molasses back to the cane sugar allows for like a little slower sweet warm-up. It also kind of marries well with, like, the fruit notes that are in, you know, a lot of cacao beans. Yeah, well, you know, that was actually something I was noticing just about your talking. I was going to ask about sort of the brown sugar and then obviously, you know, your buttermilk white bar. Um, and there's sort of just the use of southern ingredients. Um, and obviously your sort of brand is that southern artisan chocolate. So, I mean, I'm curious, what exactly does that mean to you? That's kind of like our trademark. I mean, it's, it's kind of what we were talking about before, like everything. Most everything we've done to date is inherently southern, but it also like makes sense from a food perspective. Like the buttermilk white, white chocolate has a bad rap for good reason because it's kind of or traditional white chocolate yeah. because it's kind of uh, overtly sweet and fatty because those are the only two ingredients that are involved. So if you're able to add an acid, you know the idea is to kind of balance those two. Yeah. Um. You know, and uh, yeah. And, it's, it's kind of been a trademark that's kind of evolved. Um, you know, we, we pride ourselves on, like, a lot of the collaborations that we do, kind of use, like, using what we have access to. So, like, you know, Alan Benton smokes cocoa beans for us, uh, which was his idea. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we age cocoa beans in bourbon barrels. So why, why was it chocolate? Like, what, what drew you to chocolate in the first place as opposed to, another, you know, say coffee or, or another sort of artisan food stuff? I, I mean, I've been in kitchen since I was 15. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I always got thrown more on the sweet end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my last position, uh, I was working at a restaurant in Nashville. And, you know, we're buying chocolate from all over. We're, you know, getting different, you know, origins, different percentages. And I always describe it kind of like, you know, all these guys that like craft beer have started home brewing. I kind of did the same thing for, like, what I was using and then kind of saw an opportunity there. So, I mean, I have to imagine when you're sort of maybe experimenting with just roasting cocoa beans yourself at home, it's it's not perfect the first time. What was that? What were those early stages like? Uh, it's not perfect at all. I mean, it was <laughs> truly terrible. I mean, I, I appreciate my friends, like, uh, entertaining me enough to, like, you know, try years of like kind of crappy chocolate making for lack of a better term but Mm -hmm. hopefully we've gotten better yeah well definitely and obviously you have a variety of of bars now and and tell me when you're choosing maybe a percentage for a bar say you know what percent of uh, cocoa solids or you know say you have your salt your salt and pepper bar like what what goes into that process where how are are you deciding well i mean first we we look at origin um and then we look at the quality of the beans um and then we'll we'll roast them and kind of hit different uh, temperatures. Um, and I mean, that's kind of what, what starts it. As for like inclusions, like the said salt and pepper bar, that was again a happy accident. Like I'd launched it and as I'd committed to uh, doing a festival, it was the first one that I did and I was just gonna give product away. Uh, but the chocolate just didn't turn out how I wanted it to. And so I, again, like my 
the cooking side of me said, well, let's add some kosher salt and fresh cracked black pepper on the back and see if that helps. And it did help. I mean, we still yeah. redesigned the, the chocolate base that we do. But it was a hit, so we, you know, stuck with it. Uh, that, that's awesome. It's sort of um, interesting. And obviously, you're sort of experimenting with more than chocolate. You know, you have your brittles and, and your caramels. And I have to imagine, I mean, the chocolate making process is so sort of intense as it is. I mean, uh, what was it like trying to maybe develop some of those? I mean, I remember actually the first time that I heard about your chocolate was on uh, Alton Brown's podcast. Yeah. And I think you were actually developing your two, your sea salt and vinegar and your duck fat caramels yep. right around that time. And I remember you talking about um, using hot sauce in the duck fat caramels at the time. And then now that I'm reading the box, it says chili. So was that sort of part of that change or part, yeah. part of that process? I mean, basically what we did is we, we took all the ingredients that one would use to make duck confit. And so, you know, there's there's always some tweaking that goes on. Um, but we still just use all those ingredients. And, you know, we use duck fat, you know, kosher salt, black peppercorns, thyme, and chilies. Kind of to infuse more than anything. It's not a, a front flavor at all, but it's just, you know, something to, to kind of highlight and enhance the duck fat. Well, and I'm curious, I mean, what... I think obviously one of the sort of hallmarks of and, and why you've been successful is because you're using ingredients or maybe using ingredients in ways that people wouldn't expect. So what what inspired that, you know, to do a, a duck fat caramel or a sea salt and vinegar caramel? Well, the duck fat was, honest to goodness, it's just, you know, such a, a southern pastime and, you know, something that I and some of the other guys in the factory love doing. And so that's kind of what started it. And then... I'm also like a, a borderline hoarder of old things. So it's like, there was this idea of making a box that looks like an antique shotgun shell box to put them in. And then we actually got the die to a to a box from the 40s. Mm. So the, the box itself is literally you oh, know, wow. stamped out of an antique uh, box. But um, yeah, and the salt and vinegar, it, this thing, this wasn't southern at all. But I mean, uh, it, was, it was one of those things where we wanted to get another stuff. But there's plenty of wonderful, like, salted caramels out mm-hmm. there, so there wasn't a need for us to make one. Um, but we thought, well, salt and caramel go so well together, salt and vinegar go so well together, why not try that whole combination? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, again, when you think about it, it's, it's a lot like the, the idea or the concept behind, like, making a gastric. You know, you're using sugar and vinegar yeah. and, you know, some other, like, aromatics. Well, it sounds like same, maybe trying to balance the flavors like you're talking about with the buttermilk white bar. And obviously you're sort of having to combat, you know, different beans from different areas have different flavor profiles. Sure, sure. So tell me a little bit about, okay, I, I know you use beans from Ghana. Yep. And then uh, where else do you use beans uh, from and, and why do you like those certain beans? Dominican Republic um, and, and occasionally Peru. And, and what are the maybe some of the characteristics of those areas? Well, like Ghana... Is is very. Uh, it sounds kind of weird, but it's very like chocolatey. I mean, it's just super fudgy. There's notes of uh, like brown butter and fig that we're able to to, to kind of get out of them, um, and so that's why we went with that one because it's it's straightforward, but it's got a little bit more going on on the back end. Um, the 75% we, we use uh, uh, beans from the Dominican, and it's like. The beans that we get and what we're able to get out of them is like just super bright and super citrusy. I mean, it's almost like there's Meyer lemon in the actual bar, but there's not. It's just the notes of that, mm-hmm. and so that's why we kind of chose that one. And then like our uh, 
our buttermilk white, you know, we use cocoa butter from the Dominican, same place. Um, and we actually use a pure press, unfiltered, organic cocoa butter. Whereas typically people use deodorized because it doesn't taste like anything. So you don't, you know, get any of the the flavors that could still be there in the cocoa mm-hmm. butter. Um, and it's also a little bit more, uh, the stuff that we use is, you know, I mean, it's just very pure. There's still goodness of the bean in there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, when you're looking at a percentage for a bar, or if you're just looking at a bar in general, I mean, it's got, I mean, how, how do you go about choosing, like, okay, I want this, you know, I want the 67% bar to be with this bean, or, or I want, you know, 75% to be this, or, you know, the salt and pepper to be with this? Is it just sort of, is it just sort of tasting a variety of different ones, or, or and, and why why maybe don't you go to, you know, some chocolatiers do an 80 or even a 90% dark? We'll get there, but we just chose to go you know a different avenue before yeah. going down that road um but the, the way that we get there uh as a team is you know at, at this point you know we kind of know what percentages we want to go for um then we know by you know by testing other beans and we do that all the time uh you know like what characteristics might go well mm-hmm. you know with a lighter chocolate as opposed to a darker yeah um because, you know, to me, the more you get on the lighter end, a little bit more you're going for something a little bit more straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know, you, that, that customer is going to want something a little bit more straightforward. At least that's the avenue we take with it. You know, and, and I think it's really interesting to see, especially, obviously, people within the last, you know, decade or so are, are so much more knowledgeable about food in general. But I'm also noticing just, you know, they're more knowledgeable about, you know, things like coffee and, and chocolate. How maybe have you seen the market change or, or and, and maybe your place in it um i mean i think you're right i think people are definitely a lot more concerned with like what they're eating and where it's coming from and you know who's making it and you know and their involvement with folks um so yeah we, we've definitely seen an increase in that from day one really and and we're trying to educate our consumers a little bit more about what we do as well we when we started i mean we we buy you know, organic cacao, we buy fair trade cacao, but, you know, at this point we haven't put any of that on our packaging, mm-hmm. um, but it's more because we didn't want to blow our moral horn from day one, it was it was about making great chocolate, of course we're yeah. buying, you know, we're buying ethical stuff, but it was just, you know, we wanted to to show people that we were good chocolate makers first and foremost. Well, and, and you mentioned the packaging, and, and it's I, I think it's so cool. I mean, oftentimes when you go into the store, it's like so many chocolate bars, they, they're so bland, just just the packaging, and I think it's so awesome. You know, you walk in, and your bar is just so, I think, unique, and I, w- I would al- almost say iconic, and it really does sort of invoke invoke the South. What was the inspiration behind cool. that? Thank you, man. That means a lot. Um, it was exactly that. Like, I, I wanted... Like everything from the name of the brand to the packaging to the flavors of what we do to feel as southern and approachable as it is quality. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we, we actually uh, initially were doing them on a, a letterpress. And, and the, the, uh, the labels themselves were carved out of wood. And, but that was quickly an impossibility, so yeah. we had to kind of like <laughs> digitally re- redesign it and print it. But, but yeah, that's what we were going after. Like we, we wanted chocolate to to be fun again, you know, yeah. and, and high-end stuff, like, you know, the good stuff. And, and your chocolate, obviously, you know, unlike a lot of stuff, it is handcrafted and, and 
I mean, that has to be a lot more difficult for the overall process. I mean, what, what type of labor goes into this? I mean, I think a lot of people sort of, they know, okay, well, they go into the store, they pick up a chocolate bar, but they maybe maybe don't know what goes into that bar. No. I, I mean, it, it's a crazy process, right? I it's mean, a labor of love, without question. Yeah. I mean, we, and we chose the hard road. I mean, I, we chose to, or I chose to buy stone mills from the early 1900s. Um, and so even this past week, we had both of them down. So we were taking apart machines from the 19 mm-hmm. or from 1900 and uh, repairing it ourselves. Um, so even that that part alone is uh, it would be a lot easier with a ball mill or something. Yeah. But but where's the fun in a ball mill? You know? Yeah. No. It, it's 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 kind of awesome. Um, I am curious. One thing I also noticed is I, I was trying your uh, cinnamon chili bar, the Mexican style. Yeah. And. One of the most incredible things is so often when people say, you know, oh, it's a, like a Chipotle bar or whatever, it's like they'll put chilies in it, but it's just the same consistency. Your cinnamon chili bar is actually a different grain. It has a different grain. It tastes more like a Mexican chocolate. Yeah. I, I was, maybe I'm just commenting, but I was just blown away by that. I mean, it's so cool. What, what type of thought goes into maybe the grain structure of the actual chocolate itself? Well, again, thank you for enjoying, you know, what we do. But, I mean, that's... That was our goal, was to come up with a kind of our take on like a Oaxacan-style chocolate. Mm -hmm. And for us, like we, you know, we've had great Mexican chocolates that were either hot or had cinnamon, but we hadn't had one that had the two. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was our goal with it. And we feel like when you you taste one of our Mexican-style bars, you know, you kind of get the, there's a a cookie called a cat's tongue that's mm-hmm. a, it's a long de shot and that's kind of what the mouth feels like it's a little you know the, the sugar's unrefined yeah and you get loads of like super floral cinnamon and then like you know just a, kind of a crunch of salt every once in a while mm-hmm. and just like just a just kind of a a slight bit of heat about 10 seconds after you finish it so obviously you've had tons of success won a bunch of awards you know Gwyneth Paltrow loves your chocolate. What what what's next for you guys? Uh, yeah, it's it's been great. Uh, the next the next thing is uh, we've got a new uh, line called Seersucker Candy Co. That's coming out. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of next for us. It's, uh, what type of things are you looking at with that? It's it's a little bit more you know confection and sugar based. So we'll have the first three things that we're coming out with. One's called a muzzle loader, and it's. Uh, it's a chocolate sphere filled with liquid salted bourbon caramel. So you got to go all in one bite, and it's you know, that's awesome. So yes, yeah, so we're we're stoked about that. And then we've got something called a cherry bomb, um, and it's a pickled cherry cordial. Uh, so we we literally do like a sweet pickle on a on a cherry. Then we do a buttermilk fondant, and again it's in a chocolate sphere. And then we've got the the uh, the seersucker original, which is a lot more straightforward. It's it's a liquid chocolate sphere it's, but it's the uh, a liquid version of our 75% sea salt bar so it's you know nice bright Dominican chocolate with a little bit of sea salt in it so as you're moving you know maybe more towards as you're saying a confection type thing I mean is is that process obviously I have to imagine it's a little bit different from the actual you know just chocolate bar process and then um, I mean, what are some of the difficulties that you're finding um probably or, or has space, it just been a lot of fun space is the, <laughs> it's the biggest thing um but it's really been a lot of fun. I mean, that kind of the one of the goals of starting Searsucker was to allow you know other members of the team to kind of use it as a, another creative outlet. Um, you know, because 
I'd be lying if, if we said that, you know, making, you know, 1,500 chocolate bars a day wasn't, you know, semi-monotonous. So it's nice to be able to, you know, to get in there and... And that is the 1,500 a day? About, yeah. Man, that's, that's incredible. And what, what, like, okay, so take me from, you, you start roasting the beans to the finished bar. About how long is that process? Well, every step's going on at the same time. Yeah. Um, so we do... You know, we roast about, you know, 75 to 100 pounds at a time. Um, we make about, I think about 12 to 1,500 pounds a week. Um, so we're, while we're roasting, the, win- the winnower is going, which is what takes the shell off the, the bean and uh, distributes the nib. Then the nib's added to the melangers, the mm. antique machines. Um, and so that process will go overnight, and then the next morning we come in and we transfer it to where we finish the chocolate. Uh, and then in that time, you know, the, uh, the tempers are still running. So, yeah, so every step's going, going yeah. on every week. But we, we do about three or four batches a week. And, you know, each batch is about 300-plus pounds. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, that, that, that's just incredible. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, we're sort of nearing the end of the interview. But uh, if people want to find out more about Olive and Sinclair, where can they go? Uh, just go to our website, man. It's uh, oliveandsinclair.com. Um, and uh, you can actually like, book tours to come to the factory there. I mean, we ship all over the continental U.S. And you're based in Tennessee, correct? Yeah, we're in Nashville, Tennessee. It's awesome. Music City. Man, uh, and, okay, actually, one final question. I mean, I'm curious. Where did the name come from? Like I said, I, I'm a, a sucker for old stuff, uh, probably to a fault, if you ask my wife. <laughs> uh, but, I, again, I wanted it to, to, you know, everything to be, uh, you know, have a, an old feel to it. Um, and so, for me, like, whenever you see an old business or, or an old door from an old business, it was always two names, you know, two people coming together for this, you know, kind of common cause of starting a business. And so, I, you know, I used old family names. So, Sinclair is a reference to my grandfather, and then Olive is a reference to my wife's great aunt. And we that, just that, like the ring of it, you know? No, it does. It sounds great. Well, man, once again, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Once again, a huge thanks to Scott for coming on the show. I am definitely, definitely going to have to get to Nashville, visit the factory, check it all out. Um, it's just so funny that he happened to be in town right around the same time that we were. I mean, really, the uh, the odds are pretty great on that. And I ended up getting a few more incredible interviews while I was down there. One we aired last season with Chef Jim Shirley. And uh, there's actually another one uh, coming up later this season that I interviewed uh, in the same town. It's a really cool place, so check it out on a 30A in Florida, Florida Panhandle. Awesome seafood, great people, really a lot of fun. Once again, huge thanks to everybody for listening, and I am so excited for you guys to hear the rest of the season. So make sure you visit us at createcastpod.com. Check us out on iTunes, search CreateCast. Leave us a comment, rate us. It really does help uh, make sure these episodes get out to other people, and other people can check out these awesome guests. We're going to have some cool names on the show coming up, and I'm excited for you guys to hear them. So once again, I'm your host, Chase K, and here's a little final thought from Scott Withrow. Hey, this is Scott Witherow from Olive and Sinclair Chocolate Company, reminding you to make good 